0: Holy Father in heaven, your children are here once again to fellowship with you. Without you, we can do nothing. Your word has said that we should abide in you, and you abiding in us will help us to do the things that you want us to do, and we will overcome the world. We present ourselves to you now. Consecrate us to your service, Lord. Fill us because we hunger and test for righteousness. Lord, give us the water of life and the bread of life. I pray, Lord, that you will grant to us the gift of your Spirit, that the words we will hear will not fall on deaf ears, but rather it shall bring about a transformation of character and of life, that it will revive our souls, O Lord. Put your words in my mouth, Lord, and consecrate me to your service, that the words spoken shall be a blessing to your children. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. May 21 No apologies needed And he said unto them The Lord is witness against you And his anointed is witness this day That you have not found aught in my hand First Samuel chapter 12 verse 5 The dissatisfied longing for worldly power and display Is as difficult to cure now as in the days of Samuel Christians seek to build as worldlings build, to dress as worldlings dress, to imitate the customs and practices of those who worship only the God of this world. The instructions of God's word, the counsels and reproofs of his servants, and even warnings sent directly from his throne seem powerless to subdue this unworthy ambition. When the heart is estranged from God, almost any pretext is sufficient to justify a disregard of his authority. The most useful men are seldom appreciated. Those who have labored most actively and unselfishly for their fellow man and who have been instrumental in achieving the greatest results are often repaid with ingratitude and neglect. When such men find themselves set aside, their counsels slighted and despised, they may feel that they are suffering great injustice, but let them learn from the example of Samuel not to justify or vindicate themselves, unless the Spirit of God unmistakably prompts to such a cause. The honor accorded him who is concluding his work is of far more worth than the applause and congratulations which those receive who are just entering upon their duties and who have yet to be tested. How many, retiring from a position of responsibility as a judge, can say in regard to their purity, Which of you convinces me of sin? Who can prove that I have turned aside from my righteousness to accept bribes? I have never stained my record as a man who does judgment and justice. Who today can say what Samuel said when he was taking leave of the people of Israel because they were determined to have a king? Brave, noble judge. But it is a sorrowful thing that a man of the strictest integrity should have to humble himself to make his own defense. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is, No Apologies Needed. Samuel was met by the children of Israel with the request that they wanted a king like other nations. We looked at that yesterday. They wanted to be like everyone else. They were tired of being different. They wanted to be like the hidden around them. You can imagine that. And in doing this, it was a great scene. They didn't understand Why? Because their eyes were darkened by conformity to the world in little things, they had ceased to see the difference between themselves and the world and gradually, they went further to request for a change of structure, a change of government. Little by little in their private lives, they had been conforming to the world until they requested for a conformity as a church in general. Such a sad situation. What would the Lord do? How would he respond to this request? 1 Samuel chapter 8, reading from verse 7 to 9 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So God decided to give them their wish because they insisted on it. This brings to our remembrance one of the beautiful characters of God where he usually will permit us to have our own way if we insist. God never leads us otherwise than we choose to be led. It's a beautiful character, very beautiful in keeping relationships with people that you don't push your ideas and push your own uh, principles on them even though you know you're right. And that's what God did here. What they were doing here was a great sin, but he permitted it. Just like polygamy, many people would justify polygamy today just because God permitted it. He allows things. He doesn't push himself. But the, We learned this lesson when we were looking at the life of Balaam. Balaam was headstrong and he wanted to do what he wanted in his mind. When the Lord had told him at first, don't go with Balak and don't curse the children of Israel. He wanted to go and curse the children of Israel because of the money. And he asked God a second time. What did the Lord do? He permitted Balaam said, go ahead with them, since that's what you want. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 113, paragraph 5, that time, we read this, it says, There are thousands at the present day who are pursuing a similar course. They would have no difficulty in understanding their duty if it were in harmony with their inclinations. It is plainly set before them in the Bible or is clearly indicated by circumstances and reason. But because these evidences are contrary to their desires and inclinations, they frequently set them aside and presume to go to God to learn their duty. With great apparent conscientiousness, they pray long and earnestly for light. But God will not be trifled with. He often permits such persons to follow their own desires and to suffer the the result. When one clearly sees a duty, let him not presume to go to God with the prayer that he may be excused from performing forming it he should rather with her humble submissive spirit ask for divine strength and wisdom to meet its claims end of quote that was what we read then and we should be careful do not push your desires on the lord he will leave you to have them we, we saw it with lot we saw it with balaam we see it now with the children of israel and we also would see subsequently how he usually does the same with people in the word of god we should learn the lesson he did it with hezekiah Hezekiah was supposed to die. The Lord said, it's time for you to die. Hezekiah requested, I want more life. It was not for his best interest. Let us always learn to submit to the will of God. So God told Samuel, protest solemnly to them. Tell them what this decision will cost them. The consequences of it. So Samuel went to tell the people. First Samuel chapter 8, reading from verse 10 down to 18, he said, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself for his chariots and to be his horsemen and some shall run before his chariots and he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your old even the best of them and give them to his servants and he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards, and give to his officers and to his servants and he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work he will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants and you shall cry out in that day because of your king which you have, which you shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. When Samuel said this, he must have looked like one who was only protecting his interest. The zeal with which he protested against their choice must have made them even more determined that they were doing the right thing. They would have reasoned, if he's so adamant that we don't have a king, there must be something special about it, or something he's gaining from us not having one. Therefore, this is the more reason for us to appoint ourselves a king. So what was their response? Verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Hmm. Where did this idea of wanting a king come from? We've already seen it conformity to the world. We read today Conflict and Courage page 147 paragraph 2 it says the dissatisfied longing for worldly power and display is as difficult to cure now as in the days of Samuel Christians seek to build as worldens build To dress as worldlings dress, to imitate the customs and practices of those who worship only the God of this world. The instructions of God's word, the counsels and reproofs of His servants, and even warnings sent directly from His throne seem powerless to subdue this unworthy ambition. When the heart is estranged from God, almost any pretext is sufficient to justify a disregard of His authority. End of quote where does this come from again that they were doing this in heavenly places page 167 paragraph 4 it says the heart is divided the carnal mind craves conformity similarity to the world in so many ways that the mark of distinction from the world is scarcely distinguishable money God's money is expended in order to make an appearance after the world's customs. The religious experience is contaminated with worldliness and the evidence of discipleship, Christ-likeness is in self-denial and cross-bearing is not discernible by the world or by the universe of heaven. End of quote. Israel chose something that they knew would harm them because it was fashionable to do so. Even after the all the protests and explanations of Samuel, they went headlong in that direction. Their decision was at war with their progress but they were slaves to fashion and they must continue to do what they have chosen. It was an artificial civilization they craved. They wanted one different from what God had ordained for them. We too with our artificial civilization are harming ourselves. I read now from Ministry of Healing page 125 and 126 it says, Our artificial civilization, is encouraging evils destructive of sound principles. Custom and fashion are at war with nature. The practices they enjoin and the indulgences they foster are steadily lessening both physical and mental strength and bringing upon the race an intolerable burden. Intemperance and crime, disease and wretchedness are everywhere." So, The Israelites were told this decision you are making is going to harm you just to summarize it's going to harm you and the harm was listed out for them in very clear terms what was their response "Nay, we will have a king we want to be like other nations they didn't give reason like we are not prospering or God doesn't usually deliver us their own their only reason given was we just want to be like other nations we want to be like them we are tired of being different today the same fashionable craze popular culture is affecting many they know that what they are doing is killing them but yet they will still go on they wear dresses that will tighten the body so that blood cannot flow properly and yet they continue to do it they would even do the one that they will tighten the stomach many ladies will tighten their stomach with the fashions of the world the blood is not flowing properly the womb is put out of shape stomach out of shape all the organs move out of shape because of the corsets that plenty wear. And then, will they continue? They will still continue to do it. We also see it in the food that people eat. It is in vogue and fashionable to go and take the ice cream. And to go to the restaurant and eat the food that is there. They hear the message that junk food is not good. They hear the message that's taking that... Um, fat that is saturated from the flesh foods. They hear it that it is not good but it is fashionable to do so. So they go there, they snap themselves in those restaurants, they snap themselves taking those foods so that they can show people I'm just like the world so that I'll be like other nations. I'm like them because they are slaves to fashion like i said earlier even in the dress the same thing they don't want to be different when it comes to the church services they feel intimidated by the world look at how fashionable the church the churches are the the, the ones that are that have copied the world and look at how fashionable the concepts of the world are when they go to the worldly concepts they've gone individually first and then they bring it into the church they want to bring the same decorations they want to bring the same practices that make the world fashionable they want to bring that into the church conformity to the world that is harming the people yet they still do it into the cosmetics that people wear they've heard people have heard that these cosmetics are giving diseases the pores blocked by the powders and the asbestos and the powders is, is is harming the body yet they won't stop they are slaves to fashion artificial civilization that is destroying sound principles is being practiced but yet like the israelites the people go headlong into it even though you give so many lectures explaining why the food is not good the animal-based diet why the dresses that expose the body is not harm, it's not good for the health and is harmful to the health, they will still do it. Why? Fashion. They are slaves to fashion. But the Lord, the Lord is calling us to separate. Come out from among them is his word to us. Reading from Manuscript Releases, Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, Page Five Sixteen, Paragraph 3, we are told, As God made known his will to the Hebrew captives, to those who were most separate from the customs and practices of a world lying in wickedness, so will the Lord communicate light from heaven to all who will appreciate a thought saith the Lord. To them, he will express his mind. Those who are least bound up with worldly ideas are the most separate from display and vanity and pride and love of promotion, who stand forth as his peculiar people, zealous of good works. To these, he will reveal the meaning of his word. Why? As professing Christians, are we so mixed and mingled with the world till we lose sight of eternity, till we lose sight of Jesus Christ, until we lose sight of the Father? Why, I ask you, are there so many families destitute of the Spirit of God? Why are there so many families that have so little of the life and love and likeness of Jesus Christ? It is because they do not know God. If they knew God, and if they would behold him by faith in Jesus Christ, who came to our world to die for man, they would see such matchless charms in the sun, that they by beholding would become changed to the same image. Now, you see the wrong of conforming to the world. End of quote. Once more, this is a call to us to separate ourselves from the world, so that we can be one with God. Because... In conformity to the world, we harm ourselves very like Israel also were harming themselves by requesting for a king, which was actually just a further step in conforming to worldly principles. Now, that's a lesson that we can get from here. But looking at the way Samuel responded and the way God responded it's another lesson we should learn. We read before that the Lord told Samuel that what they are doing to you is what they did to me since they came out of Egypt. So Samuel needed to be comforted knowing that he was in good company. God was telling him, you are just just being treated the way I was treated and it's a privilege really because Samuel was to know that the only way you will be treated this way is if you are like me. Samuel was so like God that they treated Samuel the way God was treated. God told Samuel in 1st Samuel chapter 8, verse 8, he said, According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit, yet protest solemnly. So God was saying, we are in the same shoes. It's not you they are really rejecting. It's actually me they are rejecting. It's not you who is in position and it was a comfort to Samuel and we too should be comforted. Let us always remember, just like Samuel, in this situation, when you are doing the work of God and people are kicking against you, they are rejecting the things that you are saying. You can take it personal but don't take it personal. It's actually God that is being rejected. They are only attacking you because it is God they are actually attacking. It's God that is their problem, not you. You know they did it to Moses. Then now they're doing it to Samuel. All other judges before Samuel, if you look at their lives, they were not as, as um, pure as Samuel. Is it Samson? He was into adultery and fornication, was of Jephthah and also uh, uh, Gideon. You can see their life. They had something about them that was just not right. But Samuel was a different kind of judge and they couldn't endure it once there was a judge that was just like moses just like like the, in integrity just like god they couldn't bear it they wanted a king now and for those who are in such a situation be comforted you are in good company the same way they treated god god is saying that's how they are treating you It's actually god who is being rejected so don't take it personal so samuel re- re- listened to what they said in the book of first samuel chapter 12 reading from verse 1 samuel told them Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me, and have made a king over you. Now, this was after. He had already selected the king, which we will look at in other devotions. He had selected Saul as a king. And not only that, Saul had even fought a battle for them to confirm that the Lord was with him. He had already conquered the people that came against Israel. So Samuel came to talk to them after that and told them, I made a king over you. And now behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. You see, someone is reminding them, Since I was a little child, I have been walking before you. And then he goes on to say, Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it unto you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught from any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Amen. Who today can say what samuel said was the question we have for us when he was taking leave of the people of Israel because they were determined to have a king, brave, noble judge. But it is a sorrowful thing that a man of the strictest integrity should have to humble himself to make his own defence. End of quote. That is page one forty-seven, paragraph five of Conflict and Courage. To bring Samuel to this position where he has to explain himself, indeed, is it was really a theme of sorrow when he has walked before them in all integrity now he has to prove himself and explain himself just like what they did they, here asking him to come and prove himself and show the accounts. come and show us that you've not been stealing all those kind of things but there's a lesson to learn here Samuel left for us an example of strict integrity and a life free from corruption sadly he was rejected he is an inspiration to live a life free from corruption and true to the to the calling of the Lord. From childhood he served the Lord and never knew any other God. He heard messages from God as children can also hear today if they would live in integrity to God. They will hear it today if they are guided by God. As they study God's so word, children like Samuel may have a closeness to God just as Samuel had. There will always be those who, like Satan, will suspect the true leaders of having selfish motives. Satan said concerning Job, does Job fear thee for naught?" Suggesting that all Job was doing in his faithfulness to God was for selfish motives. It was he who inspired Korah, Dayton and Abiram to rebel against Moses and accused him of wanting them to die and then he would take their properties for himself but they would rather have a king over them who will exact them and oppress them and take their daughters and their sons and take the tenth of all they had. The one who is gentle and kind is being suspected. This part of Samuel's life should be an encouragement for anyone who is rejected. Even when you have good motives for doing what you do and love those whom you advise, you can be rejected but be encouraged just like you see Samuel was rejected. I know of a man. was thrown away from his own ministry which he founded because the people felt that they needed new ways of doing things. You may to some degree be suffering feelings of rejection. Let us remember that we are in good company. Samuel was not the one who was actually rejected but it was Jesus and we should also have that in mind. As Jesus said in the book of Luke 6 verse 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Samuel was not violently cast away. They did not openly say they hate him, but he was politely rejected and separated from their company, though it was not him but God who was rejected. But the major lesson we should learn from Samuel's life is where he asked that question, Which of you convinces me of sin? Samuel was saying which of you convinced me of appropriating money for the people to myself? Which of you can accuse me of using public funds and property for personal purposes? Which of you can accuse me of collecting bribe, of judging a matter partially and in unrighteousness because of interest that I have? Which of you can accuse me of teaching false doctrines can any of you say that you have seen me in fornication and adultery that's what samuel was asking can any of you accuse me of involving myself like samson was in adultery fornication samuel's record was squeaky clean he had a history his browser's history clean you check it and you will not see anything there that you can indict him with which of you can see that you saw me sleeping with church members like Hophni and Phinehas? Which of you can say that you saw me going to the worship of other gods and bowing the knee to Baal and Ashtoreth by watching those movies and going to the sports and joining the people there in reverie, eating and drinking with the drunken?" None of them could accuse him of this. How was Samuel able to live such a righteous life? It was by faith. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11, verse 32 and 33, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdom and the next thing there is wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who among these people here can we say wrought righteousness? Among the names listed, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. Which one of them? You can put Samuel in that category of those who indeed wrought righteousness from childhood till the day of his grey headedness. He had a history that was squeaky clean. His phone, squeaky clean. His internet browser, squeaky clean. History, check it. No nothing you will find there to indict Samuel. Bribery? Nothing like that. Covetousness? No way. You see as we look at the, ourselves today as we look at ourselves today we may be able to say the same like samuel we thank god and pray to maintain that if you are able to say that personally i cannot even say what samuel said that you have a history squeaky clean no i don't but nevertheless i am happy to read the story of samuel if you like me cannot say let us say it then let us be motivated to know that from today It is possible to have a clean record like that of samuel let the story of samuel show us that it is possible show us the possibility that we can achieve it through christ and by faith as we read now by faith samuel was able to rot righteousness brothers and sisters you can begin again today And like Samuel, you will be able to say, Which of you convinced me of sin? Because by faith you can receive power from the Lord to live the same life that Samuel lived, a history that is clean. You want to have a clean history, whether in in covetousness, in fornication, whether in oppression and in judging matters. You can have it like Samuel did, but it is by faith. What is faith? Hearing the word of God. That is what it is faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of god simply put here is how simple faith is you hear god's word saying do this do that don't steal don't kill don't collect bribe do good judge righteously you see that you cannot do it faith means you go on your knees and ask the lord please i cannot do these things of my own but i have heard what you said i have received it into my heart then lord please walk in me that that which i have heard i will be able to do not by my power but by the strength of your word that you have spoken into my life that is how to exercise faith without prayer your faith will not be exercised and without effort faith will not show itself in good works let us be encouraged that we can be like samuel one day and see which of you convinced me of sin not because we have never sinned in our lives but because our sins have been taken to our lord jesus and he has forgiven us and he has given us a clean record God says in the book of Ezekiel 33 that when we bring our sins to him, he will wipe them out. In the book of Micah 7 verse 18, he says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth the iniquity and the transgression of his people? He will not keep his anger forever. He will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Jesus said he will not even as much as mention them against us. So you can have a clean record like Samuel by taking your sins to the Lord and letting him to. Replace your life of sin with the righteousness of Jesus and then receive power from the Lord to live a life of integrity free from sin. Let us talk faith. Have you been unfaithful in positions of leadership given to you or in your individual life? The Lord speaks pardon to you and says, get up and come to me. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as the snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for the words you have spoken to us today. We ask, Lord, that all all that we have heard now shall be spirit and life to us. Help us, Lord, when rejected, help us not to take it personal. But to always realize that it is, we are just in good company, that it is you who is actually rejected. And I pray, Lord, you help us too. Now, we should not reject your ways. Have we done that? Have we asked for ourselves a king? Forgive us, Lord, and help us, Lord, to trace our steps back and reform our lives. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to have a record like that of Samuel, that we can say someday, which of you convinced me of sin? that we have nothing in our lives that anyone can point to and say, that this is the evil I found in your life. It is possible and we are encouraged that it is possible. Therefore, do it for us, Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.